This podcast is brought to you by Kingdom at Work, a movement that seeks to inspire, equip, and ignite leaders to advance God's kingdom through their influence in the marketplace. Find out more at www.kingdomatwork.com, kingdomatwork.com. Hey, welcome to I Work For Him as we are broadcasting today from Rancho Mirage, California. And wait till you hear the people we have as guests today. But before we get to our guests, please check us out online. Yeah, Jim, they can check us out on um, our website, which is iworkforhim.com. I work the number four, him.com. And one of the things that I just really want to highlight today is the fact that people can become a part of our prayer team. If they go to our subscribe page, they have the option to um, do so many different things. But one of the things they can do there is join our prayer team, connect with us, raise up not only just the work that I work for him is doing around the country, but the ministries, the people, the individuals that are being touched and the listeners, that we may impact them in a way way beyond anything they could ever think or imagine. How about our phone? People can call us and give us suggestions and and call in and and just connect with us. How do they do that? So we have a listener line, and that's 866-713-9675. 866-713-WORK is our listener line. And people can call in, have up to a minute to leave us some information about themselves. Um, We can always call you back or just leave us a word if there's something you want us to know or connect with somebody else. Um, A lot can happen on that listener line. Hey, this broadcast has been made possible through a collaboration between iWorkRam, FCCI, and Convene. Check out FCCI online at FCCI.org and Convene online at ConveneNow.com, ConveneNow.com. We are on location at the 2018 International Summit, a gathering of Christ followers who desire to live out their faith in their work while pursuing excellence. Mm -hmm. Today on the show, we've got Brian and Gabrielle Beauchet, and I can't wait for you to hear their stories. Brian and Gabrielle, welcome to I Work For Him. Hey, thanks for you. having us. All right. Now, you guys are old hat at the radio thing, old hat at the podcast thing. I bet you've never been asked this question before on the radio. Gabrielle, how did you become a follower of Jesus? I was uh, introduced to the Lord from a very young age. I was about five years old, and I was raised in a, in a Christian home. So I was really blessed that I had parents that uh, experienced really a, kind of this uh, revolutionary experience with the Lord. And so they had raised us in a, in a Christian home. And I remember, you know, having that moment, five or six years old, going to church and saying, what, why do we go to church? And, you know, who's this Jesus person? And so my mom sat next to my bed and said, you know, do you want to accept Jesus Christ? And, and that journey has been really incredible. I mean, I, I really transitioned from knowing the Lord as, you know, someone who um, was a member of our family to someone who was my Lord and Savior, really when I went into high school. Mm. And that's really when I grew a passion, not only for him, but a passion for my generation. When uh, I went to public school for the first time, I was a, I was a sophomore in high school school and I took myself out of a private school, went into a public school and I had never met anyone or had been surrounded by folks who weren't other Christians. Uh And for the first few years, really it turned more into like a battlefield than a mission field. And the Lord really, really turned my heart and helped me realize that it was a mission field. It wasn't me trying to survive. It was me being placed there on purpose. And that's really when God not only broke my heart, but really started to infuse his purpose and really started to reveal what he had called me to do at a really young age. Hmm. Brian, what about you? How did you become a follower of Jesus? I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. And I am the product of a uh, altar call in a Southern Baptist church. I had a, I went to a public school. It wasn't like every, I went to a public school uh, growing up and 
you know, you see all of the uh, decisions that people make in middle school and high school, life-changing decisions, either for the better or for the worse. And um, I had a really good friend in middle school who invited me to come to church. Give him a shout out. Uh, who was it? His name was Jacob. Okay. Yep. Hey, Jacob. So Jacob uh, <laughs> introduced me uh, to church really in a real way for the first time. We had go- we, we went at Christmas. We went at Easter. We went at all those mm-hmm. things. And... Um, I'll never forget. It was about, I was either 12 or 13. I always forget the age. Uh, it was a very um, emotional experience for me to recognize what sin meant and uh, that I couldn't handle it and shoulder it alone. Um, and it was the classic walk down to the front and talk to the pastor. Uh, and pray to receive Jesus. And I'll never forget the uh, baptism either because we had the uh, traditional baptismal up in front of the church and the uh, the pastor wore waders so he could stay dry between <laughs> services. Um, really incredible service. Uh, but what really changed me in terms of um, taking an interest in purpose and leadership um, as a result of being a Christian and wanting to pour uh, my life and others' lives was going to a conference where I was introduced for the first time um, to things like John Maxwell and other leadership materials. And, you know, you know John Maxwell, an sure. incredible mm-hmm. faith at work guy, an incredible marketplace minister. Uh, and that, that was incredibly life-changing for me in terms of practical application. Hmm. All right, we're going to get more into that. How did you guys meet, Brian? Facebook. But if you, I mean, her side of the story is much there more entertaining than mine. There are two different sides of this story. Yeah. Let's yeah. be very clear. <laughs> okay, so Brian, you give us your story first. I mean, it, I was a knight, you know, in shining armor on Facebook. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, we had one mutual friend on Facebook. Um, and if I, pro- if I hadn't seen her that one time, I might not have seen her again. Because uh, algorithmically, I'm not sure if I would have right. seen her uh, in the suggested yes. friends. Zuckerberg and his yeah. dating service. Yeah, yeah. yes, yeah. We, we appreciate that. Thank you so much. That's, that's about it. But uh, um, I, I literally sent her a message after friending her. And uh, I think my pickup line was, uh, thanks for the ad. Thanks for the ad. Thanks for the friend ad. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, Thanks for the brutal. ad. Would you be my wife? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it was something like, yeah, I thought it. No, I'm just kidding. But her version of the story is much well, funnier. Well, well, let's hear it. Well, so he did add me because we had one We had one mutual friend at the time. And, uh, and yeah, his pickup line was, hey, thanks for the ad. And I wrote back, you bet. And, uh, you know, hence our amazing relationship. No, but then his, his follow-up is really where he got good. He then said, you know, I'd love to learn more about your business. I could tell she was an entrepreneur. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I got to, how do I do this hey, without um, being creepy? Brian, it's her time. Yeah. To do uh, the story. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks. Thanks. It's her version. Can you come yeah. home with me and yeah. just do this all you the time? You guys can call us anytime you <laughs> <know>. <laughs> <laughs> Like that's the, the constant struggle. But yes, he, we started kind of going back and forth. He could see that I had just recently launched my company at the time. And, and so he wanted to set up a time for us to talk one-on-one on the phone. And I remember that call because it was like a Sunday afternoon. We were supposed to call. I actually had a date with someone else that evening. And, uh, and lucky for Brian that, that one individual was being uh, a little strange. He has, he had like the typical millennial dating style, which means he would never call me. He would only text me. <laughs> and Brian. That's talking. 
According Bri- to my millennials. Right. Yeah. Well, Brian would actually call me. And so I, you know, it was very, you know, very strange. So um, Brian did call me for the first um, hour or so of the call. I called it the Brian Boucher show uh, because I learned everything about this man <laughs> and highs, lows, you know, absolutely everything. And uh, which I know it's hard for you to believe that, that he could talk that long without me talking. Anyway, so at the <laughs> end, we're getting off the phone and it was this typical, you know, I lived in D.C. at the time. It was a kind of a typical networking conversation. Brian's like, well, it was really great connecting with you maybe we can get coffee next time I'm in DC and I thought oh well I'm losing like I didn't like him at the time but I just started flirting just because I was like if if this isn't going to work out it's going to be my decision not his I didn't want him to reject me so we talked for another hour and a half or so and uh and yeah we were engaged about four months later so you know who knew that uh that those those Facebook algorithms were so romantically inclined spirit used your pride in order to dig deep for you to realize that he was bringing your husband to you sure let's put it that way clearly clearly the more prideful one uh (laughs) uh, you know all of my humility in that first conversation all of it so the brian boucher part of the show that was happening there didn't play Uh, she's overselling that part she's overselling (laughs) oh really an hour long you know what what's great though is that um god had a plan for you guys obviously that led to you now almost three years of marriage right? right Yeah, that's exciting. Where are you guys now? Where do you live now? Yep, Virginia. Yep, right outside of or where where Liberty University is, Lynchburg, Virginia. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. very good. Lynchburg's got some great stuff going on. Liberty University's got some they great do. stuff going on. Yeah, they're Fantastic exploding. stuff. Yeah, great stuff. Gabrielle, how do people find you guys online? You've got a website for your business, which we're going to talk about during the next segment. How do people find you online? Yep, people people can find uh, me, find us at millennialsolution.com, millennialsolution.com, or learn more about Brian or myself at gabriellebochet.com or brianbochet.com. They can learn more about us. We speak at conferences, the books that we write, and the work and the research on millennials and multi-generation engagement. Wow, she does that really good in a 30-second, doesn't she, Brian? Yeah, she does. Very practiced. Good. She practiced. All right, when we come back, lots more with Brian and Gabrielle Boucher. I, I just, uh, you guys have no idea what's ahead for you today. This is going to be an amazing show. We're talking today with Brian and Gabrielle Boucher. You can find them online. They got their own websites, GabrielleBoucher.com, BrianBoucher.com. How would you like to, we should maybe have a MarthaBrangenberg.com. I don't, I, no, I think we're good. We're good? Yeah. IWorkForHim.com yep. is enough? Yep. All right, guys, we were asking about your, like your lives and, and how'd you get to where you're at. The Lord has laid on your hearts some very specific things. But before we even get to that, I want to know, why are you here? Why are you here in Rancho Mirage, California, Gabrielle? We're here at the FCCI conference and... This conference is a really special place in my heart. About four years ago, I was at an FCCI conference in Kapalua when God really got a hold of my heart and completely changed my trajectory. I was sitting in an audience and, and, and sitting in the audience as a member, as an attendee working in an organization that had sent me there, right? Great boss who's sending me to Maui, right? And somebody's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. I was I was suffering for the Lord and I was at this conference and the the theme was millennials. And I had never been to a conference where people were talking about millennials. And at the time I had already written 
my first book about millennials. I was in the process of writing my second book about millennials. And I was just, you know, a 24 year old who was just passionate, but had no permission to really move forward and do anything with it. Hmm. And I remember going into these different rooms where people were all talking about the next generation, but no one leading the conversation was a millennial. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized, you know, that there was a huge opportunity for, for my generation not to be talked about, but to be talked with. And I remember I was at this kind of speed networking event that they had at the conference itself. And that's what's so crazy about being back here so many years later, because because of the full circle that God really takes us on. And I think that there is that journey from revelation to fulfillment that the Lord is continuously bringing us on. But I had this moment, I sat across from someone at this networking event, and they said, what one word makes you smile? Which is a funny thing to ask someone. Uh, but without even thinking, I said, generations. And he was like, that was a funny thing to say. I said, well, that was a weird thing to ask. And, and he you said, hadn't well, met, I was just you hadn't met Brian up to this point in time? No. Four years ago? No, Brian wasn't in the mission. Otherwise, in the picture. that would have been the answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Boucher. Uh, but but I, I, I just really started to, to think about it. And he said, well, what are you going to do about it? And I said, well, I'm just going to finish my book. And that's what, you know, then I'm going to start a company. It would, there was just this this uh, clear direction that was inside of me that I'd never thought about because I just needed someone to almost throw down a challenge mm-hmm. of what are you going to do? And so I left the conference. I went home. I um, I finished my book in another two and a half months. I launched the book. And in that entire process, God was really... Um, revealing to me what it is that he was calling me to do. And this, this thing that he showed me was, uh, was generational reconciliation of bringing generations together. And so that's, what's really powerful about being here because that's what can happen here. It's not just the great speakers. It's not just, um, just the, the networking and the encouragement. It's the deep revelation that you get when you're amongst um, peers who are really pushing hard to discover what does it mean to live out your faith at work. Brian, you're getting an MC the event this week. That's right. Where's your passion? What, what what drew you here? Not only because Gabrielle's here and you get a chance to spend time in Rancho Mirage, California. Yeah, we together. don't mind that. Yeah, no, that's all right. What, what, where, where does your passion fit into this whole faith and work thing? I know that what we do in business is supposed to transform lives uh, in a meaningful, uh, eternal way. Um, and I, I'm more and more convinced every day that our number one purpose on this planet is to have an intimate relationship with God. Our second most important purpose on this planet is to introduce others to an intimate relationship with God. For us, our mechanism to do that is our business. We're in the marketplace. We're with Fortune 500 executive CEOs, directors. We know that more than anything, whether it's it's not about closing the deal, it's not about the speaking engagement. That's not what it's about. That's the mechanism. What's more important is that person has a life transformation uh, that a seed is planted, that a relationship is established to uh, generate the respect and the opportunity to speak into that individual's life so that they can speak into the lives of their employees and their team members. That's why I'm here. I was introduced to both FCCI and Convene uh, through Gabrielle, uh, really just by way of marriage. And uh, that's how we both ended up here today. Hmm. I love that. And I love the way you just, you really just restated the whole purpose behind the faith and the work movement. I mean, we're, 
our jobs, our work is supposed to demonstrate excellence, right, Martha? That's exactly right. And um, being able to share people's stories and be able to he- let our listeners hear it from somebody else's point of view and say, you know what, this is God, what God is churning inside of me, and this is what I see. And um, so you are actually telling us that purpose in the marketplace. Well, and I was, I was just going to jump on okay. that before you jump into that, because it's that, that's that first thing. We, we as Christ followers should be excellent in what we do. And that should be an attraction force to others to go, Mm -hmm. why? Because the ultimate goal of us living out our faith and our work is to bring others to a relationship with Jesus Christ. So that is, that's the whole reason behind work. I mean, when when God put the Israelites out there, he said, hey, let's, you guys are going to be a light to everyone. I'm going to have a relationship with you. You show everyone how awesome I am. And the Israelites really struggle with that. We as Christ followers have struggled with that in the marketplace. All of your forefathers, 50 to 80 years older than you, that are that are sitting here on the earth still today, and there are still some of them 80 years older than you, they, they just, we were never taught to make that connection. How did, where, where did you, Brian Boucher, learn that that was supposed to be connected? It was a progression. Uh, it started in high school when I went to one conference that introduced me to titans like John Maxwell, to the Zig Ziglar's of the world. And you got to hear it, Zig Ziglar speak too? I did not get to hear Zig Ziglar speak. My personal business mentor was mentored by Zig Ziglar, oh, okay. uh, which is really, really incredible. Um, but it's, it's those titans that you look beyond their speaking engagements, you look beyond their books, uh, their bestsellers, all of that, and you see what's really going on with somebody like John Maxwell. The books are a mechanism. The speaking engagements are a mechanism. Uh, he, he stands as a really strong example of being salt and light. In other words, tasting good, treating people with respect, loving people regardless of who they are, what they've done, their circumstances, uh, in a way that is magnetic. And for me, that's where the concept for me was introduced. Uh, and then the more business mentors that I gathered around me that were like-minded, the more I realized what kind of power um, you can be in the for-profit business world to establish relationships. And, and in the business world, it's not, you know, they don't just give you a relationship. You have to establish relationships of respect mm-hmm. and trust and value add before you get the opportunity to speak into somebody's life. And it, it, it can be harder sometimes in that case. Um, so that's what work looks like for me. That's where it started when I was very young uh, before going off to college. And that's what it looks like now as I step into my 30s. Wow. Ooh, right there on the air. Stepping into the 30s. Yeah. It's not so, so bad. So did you know, than 30, but did you know. you know that when you were in high school that you had an affinity towards business? I mean, was that a, a driving factor in your life at that point? I had an affinity towards leadership. Okay. I was really involved in student government and all mm-hmm. the things that you can do in terms of extracurriculars in high school and college. Uh, I did not necessarily had an, have an affinity towards business. In fact, I studied uh, broadcasting when I was in college. I interned uh, under Tim Russert uh, at NBC News. Um, you know, I had really incredible experiences. Got to be a national journalist after I got out of law school at Liberty. Uh, that was my heart. That was my passion. I wanted to be the next uh, Brian Williams or Dan Rather or, you know, fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't till after I left broadcast media um, – that I realized that I had a heart for entrepreneurship and solving problems and that I knew that the broadcast talent would come back around and be used together with the business talent. When I stepped into the entrepreneurial space, the business space, I realized the power of relationships and what you can do 
uh, in a world where your entire focus is to solve somebody's problem. Mm. Gabrielle, what about you? As you made this connection between faith and work, and as you were, I mean, you said FCCI, a conference really played a big part in that. You guys have come together in this business tree. I'm going to call it that. I know it's a business, but it's really a business tree. Right. Where do you, I mean, how has God dotted some I's that you didn't have dotted? And how has God crossed some T's that you didn't have crossed before in connecting all this stuff as you move forward? We're going to, we're going to really hit into what generational reconciliation is in the next segment. But how, how has God just made this all clear that this is where you need to go and this is what we need to teach? I had a really up close and personal experience with what faith and work look like with my parents. My parents are very kind of classic American business owners. They own restaurants and they got into the roofing business. And so I kind of grew up on the front lines of seeing my mom really live out her faith at work. And it wasn't just that they were Christian business owners. I mean, I can remember, you know, having her be late to pick me up from school because she was talking to the accountant about the Lord or, you know, having people who worked for her that she would, you know, make sure that she called them to pray over them. I mean, there really was a seamless transition between her faith and her work. And so I saw that demonstrated, but that didn't really become a part of my own kind of personal practice until I became a business owner myself. And similar to Brian, I never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur because I did see that from my parents, right? That everything from picking me up late from school to having to leave vacation early because they had to make payroll, you know, Mm -hmm. everything in between, I saw it. Your life is controlled by all of those things. It's it. I saw that, and so I said, "That's not for me, right?" And so because of that, I knew that I really needed to to kind of make that personal connection, and that's really the the journey that God's been taking Brian and I on together. Lots more coming up with Brian and Gabrielle Boche. This broadcast made possible through a collaboration with FCCI and Convene. Check them out online at fcci.org and convenenow.com. We're on location at the 2018 International Summit a gathering of Christ followers who desire to live out their faith in their work while pursuing excellence. Today, we're talking today with Brian and Gabrielle Boucher. So Gabrielle, you were telling us four years ago, you were sent to an FCCI conference um, as a representative of your company. Somebody asked you a crazy question. What word makes you smile? Right. You said generations. Yep. From there, you've really been able to identify now a great passion that you have. Let's talk about what that is. That, that passion really was made manifest at that conference, at that event where I had seen other people who, frankly, were studying, were speaking, were consulting, were strategizing. They had made it a business. And for me, it was just a passion. It was something I found myself naturally doing. I tended to always be the youngest person in the room. And so because of that, the mantle kind of fell on me to explain to those leaders in the room, you know, what was wrong with my generation? That was kind of always the big question. What's wrong with you guys? And and so because... And just of, to be clear, because people can't see you, right. you're a millennial. I am a millennial. Yes. <laughs> so that's the one they were talking about. Yes. Yeah. I'm 29 <laughs> years old. And, and I had, you know, from a very, from a very early age, had a passion to not only reach my generation, but I realized uh, that that the way that God has created the church, society, family really does come from generational reconciliation. And so when I was starting my company, I really prayed and said, God, what do you want me to tell other people I do? Mm-hmm. And he said, say you're in the business of generational reconciliation because he said, I want to reconcile the generations together like I want to reconcile the world to my son. Mm-hmm. Let's describe generational reconciliation, because those are two words you don't often hear together. 
you, a lot of people know, okay, well, I understand reconciliation. Well, if I'm an accountant, I understand reconciliation. If I'm a bookkeeper, I understand reconciliation. If I am had problems in my marriage, I understand reconciliation. But generational reconciliation? Right. So first describe that. And Brian, I'm going to ask you to, your perspective too, but I'm going to hear it first from a woman. The the term is really something that I think resonates with myself and many of the leaders. And I, you know, we've worked with a, a number of major major brands from Audi, Volkswagen to Microsoft to Google to um, more free to, plugs right here, and I work for to, him. <laughs> to to major major companies, including the government from Department of Interior and beyond. And so when we're talking to a lot of those leaders. I am coming in in a, in a secular setting and talking about rec- generational reconciliation and talking about how the generations need to work together and how we've been designed and, and, and the opportunity to even talk about how we're created to create. And in um, that term, I think, is really powerful because it creates a picture of what it looks like for people to come together and to be to be reunited okay. because I think people have been divided from by age, wait, wait, technology, wait, don't, go there. Don't, and go there. don't go there. I don't want to go where the divide comes from. I want to hit that second i want to hit the secondarily i love that it was a great explanation but i want to really pull on this give me your perspective brian boche this is my perspective i look at business leaders we're defining generational reconciliation this is my perspective on that i look at business leaders and i look at the talent they lead and manage and i look at all of the misfires the misunderstandings the communication breakdowns and realize that millennials for example are one of the most educated generations ever right, in terms of college education, academics, et cetera. And then there's so much wisdom in the leaders in our business community, nonprofit communities, et cetera. Reconciliation to me means bringing together that wisdom and that academic understanding and that knowledge and producing producing something truly great that is a value add to the marketplace in a positive way way. That, that's the kind of reconciliation that I see that needs to be had in the workplace. Um, of course, that also means reconciling uh, relationships, um, having a, a sense of, of forgiveness. I think there's a lot of uh, pain among boomers and Xers that think millennials have disrespected all that, all that they've done uh, as they've gone before millennials as they grew up. Um, reconciliation to me means bringing together wisdom and what this generation has to offer to produce something truly great. So, we, Jim, we are here in Rancho Mirage, California, at the FCCI and Convene Conference uh, Summit. And really, the theme is pursuing excellence. And we love um, being able to explore that in different ways with our guests. And really, um, that's a conversation that we can have around the whole conversation of millennials. When we're talking about this generational um, oh, and I didn't say who we were with, Brian and Gabrielle Boucher. So sorry about that. And you have a website, millennialsolution.com. Um, they can find, I'm assuming, your other websites maybe from there. Yeah. I haven't explored it all, but millennialsolution.com. If you're intrigued at all by this conversation and want to learn more, why do the generations need to be reconciled? I think that there has been so much confusion about how um, how to work, how to communicate, how to live together. I think that some of the, the um, there are always stereotypes about the next generation. Yeah. There's always, you know, what's wrong with kids these days, right? <laughs> Those are my free, three favorite words. I, I can tell someone is now an adult when they say kids these days, right? Because you're, <laughs> you're distancing yourself mm-hmm. and saying, I'd never act that way or dress that way or, you know, use technology in that way. So whether it's technology or communication or the way that they go to church or the 
the way that they think about work. I think that there's kind of this constant distancing. And I think particularly because of technology, it's even more aggravated that folks can really tell, you know, how, um, you know, how uh, adapt you are even at communicating or wanting to be kind of young or youthful because of technology. And and those divisions, I really do think um, have have come everywhere from, you know, the community to the church. And in, in, um, in particular, we see that a lot in faith-based communities that they're like, oh, the youth group or the young adults ministry. And, and we're dividing the body of Christ based yeah. off of age. When, as Brian said before, I, and I tell folks this all the time, millennials don't need other generations for information because we have search engines for that. What we need other generations for is interpretation and application. The wisdom side. That's what mentorship really is, is it's not just mm. info. It's what do I do with it? What's this context and how do I apply it to my life? Well, and Brian, go ahead. You, you're just bursting. I could tell. I'm, I, I would actually just agree with her that millennials have a okay, sense of... Okay, that's good. Yeah. It's a beautiful marriage I could go right on. There. Yeah, but... Well, uh, I, 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 go, I want you to go on in a minute, but I want to ask this question. Okay, so uh, Gabrielle's going, ah, Brian met his match. Ah, I see. Okay. Um, because I think that the, the reason for rec- reconciliation is even deeper than what you've just described. Because in, in not in your lifetime, but in our lifetime, the disintegration of the family has been complete. Sure. And, and it really has been. In the, we're, we're both 52. And in, in the 52 years that we have seen, obviously we've seen 50 of them or so, is that the family's been under attack. And so that transfer of love, of wisdom, of, of, uh, of knowledge, of relationship has been disconnected through divorce. And most kids today, guys your age, and really between... 15 and 40 have grown up without a connection to all their grandparents. They've grown up with, they've grown up without a connection to their parents, one parent to the other. And it's created a generational gap that's been exasperated because of the disintegration of the family. What do you think? I, I think that that's certainly true. I do see some kind of micro rebellions is what we call it in, in kind of generational studies where we see some generations who have been raised by maybe a single parent household who are fighting like crazy to keep their marriage together or to live closer to their parents or to have a more traditional household. We see that with Generation X. We're starting to see that with some millennials who, yes, over half of us have had parents who have had divorces. And so because of that, we're waiting on average seven years longer to get married, seven years longer to buy a house and and kind of start that traditional life. And I think on one side, it's important because I think that we're showing intentionality. But on the other side, I'm seeing a lot of fear with my generation for how to take those next steps because it hasn't been modeled. You know, I want to go back to, um, as a part of this conversation, you said you need the other generations to help you interpret and apply. Yes. And really, I think that comes full circle that that is what family in its core being was meant to do for to the do. next generation, not to just transfer it on, but to in, to be, help interpret and apply what was being talked about. Brian, what do you think about yes, that? Yes, I mean, mentorship's going to have to come from different sources, yeah. right? I mean, there are incredible Christian leaders, male and female, with all kinds of wisdom, and they need to share it beyond just their family unit because mm-hmm. there's an entire generation. I mean, that I, I, we saw this study just a couple of months ago uh, that was put out by Blue Cross Blue Shield, um, Another th- free plug right yeah, here. Yeah, no, 30, 33% increase uh, in diagnosed depression among everyone 
right? But with millennials, it was a 47% increase Mm. between 2013 and 2016. Three-year span, 47% increase in diagnosed. This isn't just someone self-reporting, I feel depressed. This is diagnosed by a physician. You have depression. And we grew up as a generation that was told you can do anything you want and you can be anything you want, which it's great to dream. It's great to have vision. It's great to have a sense about going somewhere, Mm -hmm. right? But what's lacking is the process, the step-by-step, the wisdom to take the right next step and not get ahead of yourself. That's what this generation is lacking. And I think this generation was also not prepared for setbacks, failures, and trials because we were generally cushioned from them um, in, by our parents, by, by leaders, by educators who probably meant very, very well, there is such a need for wisdom and mentorship. Uh, and if it doesn't come from the family unit, it's, it's time for leaders who are Christians, male and female, to step up and pour into this generation in a real and meaningful way. Hmm. So you're saying that you think that this, like if they see that they have setbacks or they don't succeed, mm-hmm. it may be directly correlated to the depression. Oh, and absolutely. That the, this rise because they've just assumed that they were going to make it and do great. Absolutely. Everything al- would go their way. It's always the gap between expectations and reality because what's in our head is an imaginary picture of what could happen, what should happen, what we want to happen, right? But then there's reality. I didn't get the job. I didn't get into the school. I didn't get that promotion in six months or whatever. I'm not um, married yeah, yet. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not married yet. Those, the gap between expectations and reality is what causes depression. Wasn't it a lie what your generation was told that you could do anything and be anything? Isn't that a lie? I wouldn't call that a lie. I would say it's not the full picture. You truly can do great. Th- I mean, we serve an incredible God who is the God of impossibility. But we if can he do designed amazing you to be, things. But if he designed you to be a speaker, you can't be an astronaut. I would agree with that. I would agree. I think so that's did, why I'm saying it wasn't the full picture. Didn't you want to be an astronaut when you were a kid? Truth. When <laughs> you were a kid, didn't you want to be an astronaut? I wanted to be a fireman. Okay. I wanted to be a fireman. Um, now, was I meant to do that? No, I mean, I probably saw a red fire truck, thought that was cool. It wanted to take cool. it for yeah. a drive. It was the it's Dalmatian awesome. on it that was big. Right, right. So, uh, you know, that's, that's what I wanted to be when I was in kindergarten. Uh, yeah, so I would say that um, it wasn't the whole truth. It mm-hmm. wasn't the whole truth. I think that parents that meant well, educators that meant well, didn't have a good sense of how to inject real, meaningful discovery of purpose into young lives so they knew exactly where to go when they went to college Mm. or into the workplace. Gabrielle, you started off this business called Millennial Solution. Is there there any plurals in this? MillennialSolution.com? Yes. It's just MillennialSolution.com. Okay. What is it about? What What are you helping people understand? Our big goal is to bridge the generation gap from both angles. From the beginning, I saw so many folks who would go into major companies, organizations, and movements and say, you need to change to get millennials. You know, you need more, uh, you know, you need more, you know, free puppies on Thursdays and you need, you know, beanbag chairs and, and you need to change to reach this next generation. And, and I saw it in the Christian movement and I saw it in, in the corporate culture, the, um, the major folks that were bringing us in. And I realized that that wasn't ever going to work. Because if you change completely for one generation, you're automatically going to push out the other. Alienating them. And, I, and again, that is not 
That's not the church. That's not community. And that's not real life. So because of that, we take an approach where we help leaders and executives understand who the next generation is, what motivates us, how to engage with us, and how to retain us. It's extremely expensive to lose millennials in the workforce today. But we also help millennials. How do you manage up? How do you communicate with another generation? How do you manage your own expectations? Like what Brian was saying. So you're not expecting a raise or a promotion every six months. You're going into a corporate culture where you're going to thrive. You're going to contribute and you're going to feel extremely fulfilled. You, I mean, you, go ahead. Well, I just love the fact that you are representing your generation and um, you're speaking from authority from within as opposed to someone like myself going, oh, I've got the millennials figured out, which I believe there are people that have studied it and you know done all the research, but you have a very unique voice because you're representing them and being able to speak to your peers as well. You guys as a couple are writing a book together. Tell us about the purpose equation. This is something that came to me uh, originally uh, out of a tough time. In my 20s, after law school, I was a a national journalist for uh, a year, and I was also um, once before uh, married and went through um, both a layoff and a divorce uh, in the same month. Mm. And It's a rough month. Yeah, it was a tough month. It was in February around Valentine's. No, I'm just kidding. but uh, sorry, that was. We were just talking inside. about the cruiser yes. way to a yes. better marriage, and everyone is welcome to join so us. That's right, February 14th through the 18th, 2019. Check it out online, iworkroom.com forward slash events. Yeah, and right after that happened, I met uh, my incredible uh, business mentor. Her name's Tamara Lowe. She ran Get Motivated Business Seminars for years. Uh, incredible company, incredible woman. And um, she helped me start to tap into my sense of purpose and what that was and to explore it in a real and meaningful way in a practical way for the first time and i remember i was doing sales calls for her and they were straight commission sales calls i had 45 minutes to 60 minutes to kind of close a deal on a phone kind of thing and it was for a self-help product so i knew that i had to give somebody a sense of their purpose and where they were going in life if the if the product that i was selling to them would mean something to them in a practical way mm. and what i realized is talking about purpose is usually very emotional and fluffy and you know there's not a lot to grab onto if you will and so out of those calls and my desire to make an income right right because i needed income <laughs> yes. uh, i i jotted down an equation that I thought might be the components of purpose on a legal pad. And it actually began to help me give people hope quicker on the phone so that we could also complete the sale on the back end and get them to a place where they could have practical step-by-steps to where they could begin to improve their career or live out their life. That's where it started. And then what God did with our marriage was merge everything she knew about generations and you know corporate culture issues and all those things to merge together to produce uh, this book that will be out sometime next year, 12 months, 18 months, somewhere around then, uh, which is going to be an incredible piece, very step-by-step, uh, practical, how do you find your purpose, and then what's mostly left out of self-help books on the subject of purpose, mission, and vision is what do you do with it? Mm-hmm. How do you increase your income, your influence, your impact? What's the next strategic step you should take after the point of discovery? Because most books are just about the discovery and if you know anything about knowing your purpose but not knowing what to do with it, yeah. you're actually more miserable than mm-hmm. if you just didn't know it in the first place. Right. 
Well, and it's a lot of people struggle with, well, once they really understand their identity, who God created them to be, and then they realize, wow, but I'm not in my sweet spot. Right. Yeah. Then you're right. It, it, it's, it's like, well, I was better off when I knew nothing. But that's not really a solution, and it certainly wouldn't be centered on Christ. All right, we're talking with Gabrielle and Brian Boucher. They've got this ministry that's really a business tree. It's called MillennialSolution.com. They're bringing solutions to the marketplace, helping people understand millennials. And it's so much more than that, but we're running out of time, so I'm just trying to make it simple. All right, Gabrielle, you mentioned that one of the things, off the air, that one of the things you help organizations understand is the myths about millennials. Right. What, are, what are some of those myths? Right. One of my, my um, most popular books right now, it's called Five Millennial Myths, The Handbook for Managing and Motivating Millennials, which we uh, I wrote really from that dual perspective, how do millennials and managers better understand each other. But the biggest myth out there, and I'm sure your listeners are thinking it, is millennials are entitled, right? They're that trophy generation. They're going to show up and want you know a hug in my job in six months. And and the, the truth of the matter, I've studied millennials uh, for over 11 years now. And what I found is, is that millennials aren't necessarily entitled it's ambition misdirected. This is a generation who's incredibly ambitious, is excited and motivated, but it's like fire. If you just let fire burn, it can destroy. But if you learn how to harness it, it can really help take whatever you're looking to do to the next level. And so that's really what we help do is address what, where did this come from? How do we address it? And the number one way we've actually found to address that entitlement myth is to set those expectations. Is it realistic? How do we set it back in reality? And how do we help the next generation do extremely well? It's not going to help anyone to criticize from the outside and say, we were never that way. Mm. You have to come alongside my generation and help turn the ship with us. We can't do it alone. And that's really the message of generational reconciliation. What was the name of that book again? Five Millennial Myths, the handbook for managing and motivating millennials. There's a new chapter on parenting. So there's an extra little giveaway for anyone with millennials looking to figure out who they are and what's wrong with them. <laughs> Excellent. So are you able to share any practical examples of where you've kind of helped somebody to overcome a myth that they were, you know, living out in the workplace? One of my favorite stories is when we were working with a pharmaceutical company, group of 10 people, they were finishing up their pharmacy education, uh, kind of an internship, if you will, at a large pharmaceutical company. And the company had invested about $100,000 for just that year into each one of those individuals, mm. about a million dollars in the room. But the problem was is that most of those interns wouldn't return to the company and get injected into their research programs and all that. So their their retention cost, if you will, was anywhere between 750 to a million dollars a year just in that business unit, wow. right? So we were brought in uh, to talk to the leadership and the millennials themselves. Favorite story, sat down across from a young man named Patrick, and I said... Patrick, what's your story? It was an exercise where you only had two to three minutes to talk to the person. Gabrielle was facilitating. I said, what's your story? And Patrick looked at me and he said, it's very simple. He said, when I was 18 years old, my grandmother, who was like a second mother to me, a, a very heavy influence in my life, died of a catastrophic stage four uh, cancer. And I was already good at sciences and solving problems. So it inspired me to go study cancer research. And I'm like, that story is the answer to retaining him. He's already talented, right? But that's the meaningful human connection to why he does his work every day. Mm -hmm. Do they have him in a cancer research area? No. But even worse, when I asked the leaders, did they know that about him? The answer was no. Know about his grandmother? No. Do you know about this? No. 
Well, story, his story, is one part of somebody's four parts of purpose. And most businesses only leverage the talent, the experience part, the LinkedIn part, but they're missing out on the very reason, the stickiness factor. Which is relationship. Isn't that what this is all about, this generational reconciliation? Isn't it really just relationship that people are missing? It absolutely is. And it's that connectedness. And it's no matter your age, your color, your, you know, your ethnic background, you know, what language you speak, it really is that relational factor because we're created to be in relationship first with God and then with others. And so when you are, you know, reconciled with the Lord, then you really do have it inside of you to then become reconciled with one another. You know, I think a key factor to that story is the fact that that was a two to three minute exercise. It's so short. I mean, you know, we think it's daunting to get <laughs> like, to know our people. It's like, what's the solution to not lose a million dollars a year from 10 people? Uh, take two minutes and talk to them. Exactly. But how and often And ask the is right that? questions. Yes. Yeah. Well, but it's simple questions. It's really just relationship. There's an, uh, a ministry organization out of Texas, and they have their people do one-to-ones with their... They don't have any more than six people report to one supervisor, and they spend an hour a week with each employee, and they don't talk about business. It's all about building a relationship. Yep. So they keep a 97% retention or some yeah. ridiculously high number. Of course, because when you trust someone else is when you know them. Yes. And the thing with millennials is if they don't trust you until they know you, and they don't know you until they like you, but they don't like you until they feel like you are like them. And that's really where I see many Christians and leaders and even business leaders having a hard time reaching millennials because they lack that authenticity. That's what this generation is dying for. Brian and Gabrielle Boche from millennialsolution.com, millennialsolution.com. Thank you guys for being on iWork Ram today. Thanks for having us on. Good to be with you. It was fun. It was fun going toe-to-toe with you, Brian. I like that. <laughs> for sure. So I hope people will check out some of their books. That's right. What are the books? Just give all the books you got so far. Yeah, Five Millennial Myths and The Millennial Entrepreneur. And, and coming soon? Coming up next equation. year, The Purpose Equation. And we'll bring you back for that. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.